Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. We're not to impose a morality on on people who don't share our morality. You know, Mm -hmm. we, we used to always, we carried a slogan with our church that we promise to love you and this, you know, ellipsis as is was poor grammar, but good sentiment. And it, it just, we, we just always wanted to remind ourselves that we take people at face value, what, whatever they're political or their sexual or whatever orientation they're about, Jesus still died for them. And yeah. we cannot afford to erect barriers between us and them. Um, and, and then, you know, sanctification isn't Ralph Moore's job. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And whenever I try to usurp his role, I, I get in trouble. But but I think what, what happens is we because we camp out on some of these issues, we end up not being attuned to that person and the spiritual need that they might be exhibiting uh, that, that we could tap into. Mm-hmm. Yes, no, I agree with you. And I think, you know, and it's not because we're watered down the gospel. It's not because we're going goosey-goosey on our ethics. I think I know enough about you and, and you know enough about me that we'd probably be small C, pretty conservative in a lot of these things. But it's, it's not, but it's also funny ways where, you know, when I think sometimes Christians feel like we have to go around and be the religious police or the morality police. And yeah. it becomes kind of legalistic the sort of things you hear about, you know, which the Iranians are protesting about now, you know, it's like, that's not our job. And particularly with people outside of the church. And so I think it's, um, you know, now we live differently. I remember learning this years ago. It was so, um, you know, coming from England, uh, alcohol is like everywhere. And um, we don't have the same kind of cultural hangups as as happened here, but um, there's good and bad of that, obviously. Uh, But, um I'll tell you a funny story sidebar so when I was 15 I was just uh I hadn't yet come to faith so I wasn't from a Christian family and there was a youth group in the village where m- my mother lived and um I used to go there and after the youth group ended about nine o'clock at night everyone would walk across the road to the village pub so I would have been 15 we're drinking age in England was 18 and we'd all go in there and everyone would serve us there was a village policeman he'd be in there there was no problem at all and they and you were basically told you're allowed to be in there and you're allowed to drink. But if you mess around, you get into trouble. And I remember one time, one of the kids gets a bit carried away, you know, one of, the, one of my friends. And the village person walked over and he looked at him and he whacked him around the head. Because it was <laughs> slapping around the head. And he says, I know where your parents live. Don't make me go and see them. <laughs> oh. So it's, it was a very different culture. But um, but one thing, of course, the downside of that is, is that, you know, you do see people drink too much yeah. as well. And so as a believer, we had to learn to live in this space where, um, you know, particularly, say, in the suburbs or the middle classes, that's going to happen. People are going to eat drink. And so it's how can I be in that space where people are drinking and I'm not standing there judging them or making them feel judged, right. even if they're getting a bit too much, without me having to go the same way? Yeah. 
that makes yeah. sense yeah. so uh, now for me I, I know different people have different views you know but you know if, if, if i drink i'm gonna have a glass and stop there and it's fine but it's not in a judgy way yeah um, and we have to, be able to and what that does is we have to live in this slightly uncomfortable space at times mm-hmm. uh, and not run away from the discomfort of being in the mess or the just the that sort of thing and you've been that hundreds of times i know i have a friend who's um gay man he's about my age and um yeah you know we'll all my wife and i will go to lunch with them and we greet and you know everybody hugs and 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 i get a little stiff on the hug you know it's like i'm not i'm not you know i'm not real comfortable here uh on the other hand i i he's just my my friend and and he he needs to walk with jesus and you'd be surprised uh he's pretty political guy but the, the the number of times that he has tried to force me to be a right wing Republican, and <laughs> I, I refuse to be a Democrat or a Republican. I'm I'm just me, and I've got my opinions are basically formed yeah. out of Scripture. And um, you know, as Francis Schaeffer many years ago said that we need to become co belligerents with whoever is, is stands for truth and justice. And so, if if it's the the right that is standing for righteousness then fine if it's the left then we align with them at at that point yeah and this this man it we we have wrestled and wrestled with him trying to pigeonhole me and uh but but i've i've won a hearing by refusing to to become the morality police because that's really what what he's after is mm-hmm. um you know we'll get into different issues and he doesn't understand the word evangelical he'll go you're an evangelist and and you don't believe that? And I go, no, I don't believe that. And sometimes it comes down to, well, why don't you believe that? I mean, all people like you are supposed to, and again, I'm supposed to become the cop. And, and I, my answer is, well, because I believe in Jesus. And and if, if somebody's life is going to change, it's going to be because they change from the inside out. And, and I can't even mm-hmm. make that happen. Only God can do that. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, there's just, there's a lot of landmines out there. But if we can step around them, it's not that hard to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Paul said in First Corinthians, "What I, what do I have to do with judging outsiders?" And yeah. I, I think there's a really yeah. big lesson for us there. There is. So it's interesting you mentioned. So where so we, as I mentioned, we live in Long Beach, and Long Beach has got a very large um, homosexual population. Uh, so it was the it was the first place in the country. It was I think it was the first place in the country uh, where there was an AIDS clinic. So back in the early 80s, which was run by Christians, started and run by Christians, mm-hmm. interestingly. Um, but uh, so we've got quite a few friends who, who are gay. Um, and I remember one couple uh, who just lovely men, really kind. Um, and we just became good friends with them. And they knew, they knew who we were. It's not like we hidden our identity or anything like that. But we just loved them. And we hadn't tried to beat them up or anything like that. Um, and, you know, they got to know our boys and you know we're not like putting barbed wire between them and our sons you know we're just like treating them like normal people loving them and uh one of the guys um was diagnosed with cancer um i mean it's a treatable form but still you know big i mean it's a huge thing when anyone has that and so we we you know when we heard we we went round and um you know obviously we're going to do the you know how can we help you and all that stuff um but uh i'd felt I was like praying. I said, "Lord, I'd like to. What can I do prophetically for these 
guys in this situation? What would you want to say to them? And and I I think I wanted to give them something symbolic. And so I prayed about it. And I had this idea of getting a peace lily. And, and, And I go to the store and I look for a peace lily. And I can't find a peace lily, but I found one that looks like a peace lily. So uh, anyway, we go around with this <laughs> and I said, so the, the, the partner opens the door and, you know, and was like, you know, so sorry. And we're praying for you guys and stuff. And I said, so Hannah then looks at me and I go, look, I've, I've got, this is meant to be a peace lily. I couldn't find a peace lily, but just pretend this is a peace lily. What I want you to do is I want you to put it on your mantelpiece. And every time either of you are feeling stressed or worried or anxious about the future, I want you to look at this and know that, um, we're praying that the peace of Jesus will guide you and comfort you in this really difficult season. And we're praying for your healing and we're praying just for peace and wholeness in this time because it's, you know, it's going to be a process, isn't it? And what was interesting, and he was you know, really thankful to put it on the thing. What was interesting was a few months later, um, you know, uh, he got, he was getting, going to the treatment, got better. And they said, you know, it was so great. People were really kind and loving to us. This, but they said the thing that they most, appreciated us doing was not that we served them when we did serve them the thing they most appreciated was knowing that we were praying for them wow. and then out of that came some really deep conversations where they were sharing about you know some stuff from their their history and bad experiences of church and you know all sorts of things i mean they were really vulnerable and open and we were able to pray and just minister to them in that place and that just came out of this goofy peace lily that wasn't even a peace lily <laughs> But but also it's being willing to be spiritual in that moment. You know, again, I think we could have overlent into we're going to get, the, you know, we're going to cook all your meals for three yeah. months. And I think we need to lean firstly into the can I pray for you piece. And yes. that was our expression of can I pray for you. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's that's creative. Um, let's let's go down another little path. Talk, talk okay. to us about the dandelion in dandelion resources. So. Yeah, so we were we were kind of starting to do more of this stuff, and we were praying like, Lord, what do we call this thing? And you have you can have quite prosaic names and whatever. But um, Hannah had this. We were praying about it. She's had this um, little vision. The Lord spoke to her through, and it was of a dandelion seed head and the wind of the spirit coming and blowing the seeds, and they scatter and go everywhere. And they can they're so lightweight they can easily get carried, and they. They'll, they'll land in all sorts of spots and it could be sometimes you see fields full of dandelions. It's just fertile ground. It just, they go nuts. And sometimes it's just a few in your, in your lawn or something. And then sometimes that might even, you get a dandelion in a crack in the concrete right. and they're incredible things. They can just pop down, stick down a root, up pops a stem. There's a flower, there's seeds, they multiply again. And um, we just feel like that's, that represents what we feel the Lord's called us to. But also I think that's what his calling is over the church as well, which is how do we find lightweight, flexible ways where we can help people go, but go under the, um, the important pieces we go blown by the spirit. So what we're really trusting the spirit to lead us into the conversations and the situations and the places. So it's this, um, it, so it's very organic. It's very flexible. It is lightweight. We're not, you know, it's interesting when Jesus sends out, the, the disciples in Luke 10 and it's the person of peace teaching he says don't take all the stuff with you yeah. like don't take extra things and I think what he's saying there is you don't I mean I don't think he's telling us off if we, you take something with you if you're going to trip but what he's saying is you don't need tons of things to make to do evangelism just go and be almost like go and be you 
a sanctified version of you in that place and trust that Jesus is going to move through us um, and his spirit is going to be at work. So that's really where the dandelion came from. That's what, that's why we, we do that. Um, and it's, you go, you talk. Oh, well, this is good. I, I, you finish what you're saying. This is really good. Well, what I was saying was, I, th- I think it's, it's interesting when we, when we share that picture with people, lots of people's eyes kind of light up and they go that, that, they re- people resonate with it. I think it was a gift from the spirit because it almost sounds like the sort of thing you'd read Jesus teaching a parable on, isn't it? You know, uh-huh. it's that sort of idea. So it's very, it is a very sticky image in that sense of, that stays with you. And you know, that as you're describing it, uh, you know, and I, honestly, I had never heard you say that. So when I asked the question, I was really asking the question, but as you're describing it, I have dandelions growing in the cracks in my driveway right now. And um, and they're fairly large. I haven't been out there for a couple of weeks. And I've, I've got this 10-inch tall plant. And when you think of a little tiny seed. But, but also coupling with that, um, I heard you say something earlier, just a couple of minutes ago. And you said something about uh, how, do, how praying, how can I bring and I'm going to use my terminology, an element of the prophetic into this. Yeah. I think yeah. one of the the sad things about the church that we live in, the big C church that we live in, is that we're fearful of, of the prophetic. We, you know, mm-hmm. there, I mean, back in the 1970s, uh, it, if you were a charismatic or Pentecostal, you had leprosy in, in, in some portions of the church, which today have changed and are embracing things of the spirit. But as soon as we start to get into the idea of a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, the the things that the scripture is full of, uh, people freeze up a little bit. And I've learned from my wife more. I see it in you. There's a commonality about, I mean, this isn't, this isn't a big deal. This is just, Mm-hmm. walking in the spirit this this something that happens yeah Gotta dig in there a little bit for us yeah. i let me paint for paint for you those listening uh, a picture word picture so often when we start working with a church or community i'll we'll get a flip chart and we'll draw a venn diagram so three overlapping circles and we'll label one disciple making and we'll label the second one being on mission we label the third one being naturally supernatural. And we would suggest that where the three overlap, that middle area is how you, where you can build a kingdom culture. And I think what we're trying to communicate with, and then we, we there's lots more we go into, we use it as a diagnostic tool to where you're stronger sure. and weaker. But um, for me, the essence of being a disciple, um, I, I, I don't know how I dare say this in front of you, I was remembering who I'm with here, Ralph, you know, you've written the books on it, but it, it's, you know, if Jesus says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the one who hears my voice and obeys me is, yeah. you know, is like the wise man or woman who builds the house on the rock. So it, there's this sense of discipleship, and it's very core cool as we hear what Jesus is saying and we obey him. Yeah. And it's, and so, the, you know, sometimes sometimes the, the thing we wrestle with is, gosh, what's Jesus saying here? Yeah. You know, yeah. got a few options, what do I do? And sometimes we, we know jolly well what he's saying. It's just, do we have faith to obey or the will to obey? Um, and, but I think, I think discipleship is intimately 
tied to the kind of hearing God, you know, because it's like, what's Jesus saying? Like, what is this? And I know we have universal principles in scripture. I love scripture. You know, I'm always in the word, like I know you are. Yeah. Uh, but so the Bible gives us principles about, say, which job, about how we are in the workplace and how we should operate there and how to lead. But it doesn't tell me which of the three jobs I've got in front of me where right. I should take. Yeah. And so that's where the kind of, okay, Lord, what are you saying? What's the now word? What's the Rima word to me in this situation? Yeah. And so I think hearing God's voice is a basic foundational pillar of discipleship. And what we've done is we've professionalized it and we've made it just for the exceptional few. Yeah. Uh, or we've seen it being misused and run away from it almost for fear of heresy. Right, right. But I, would, I would argue that the response to wrong use is not no use, it's right use. Yeah. So we have to, learn to use it rightly. And it, these are such amazing gifts. And what, what I, I, I just think that the prophetic gifts are meant to be normal and normative for every believer. And I think Paul thought that. So in mm-hmm. 1 Corinthians 14 begins, follow the way of love. Yeah. Eagerly bizarre, the gifts of the spirit or the spiritual stuff is actually the Greek, it's pneumaticos. Um, and then he says, especially that you might prophesy. Yeah. So Paul was saying he, we have explicit, we have a, a command in scripture there, yeah. desire to prophesy. So we need to learn to lean into this stuff. Yeah. And I think it's one of the things we've tried to do is um, help make it accessible and approachable and almost demystify it, reverse engineer the process. Mm-hmm. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmore.net.